This program is sponsored by Proponacy, where I'm the president and CEO. Proponacy is the Greek word for coaching. We provide SaaS technology to centers like yours. Most contact centers struggle with their people, whether it be overcoming monotony, attrition, or getting superior performance. Our solution makes it easier and cost-effective to get even more than you could possibly have expected from your front line. The result is loyal customers, engaged employees, and winning, provable, profitable results. You can reach us at Proponacy.com. You are being forwarded to the contact center coach. In my late 30s, I had my very first business trip to Asia. I was going to Hong Kong and to Taiwan. Uh, Up to that point, travel pretty much everywhere in the United States. I'd been to Europe. I'd been to Canada. I'd been to uh, Mexico, but I'd never been overseas to Asia. And I can remember flying into Hong Kong, and at that time, Hong Kong had a different airport. And, And I think that airport had the shortest runway on earth because... I was on a 747 on the second level, on the, on the upper level of the 747. And when you landed in Hong Kong, you, you came in over the city. You thought for sure you were going to crash, like right on the buildings. And then at the very last minute, you made like this left-hand turn, you know, where the, where the plane literally went at a 90-degree angle. And you thought for sure you were going to die. And then it landed at, landed at the runway. And so a fairly cathartic um, airplane flight. And when... I got into the terminal in Hong Kong. It just made me think, you know, Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. I mean, because everything about it was completely different. And I know this sounds trite, but totally foreign to anything that I ever experienced, right? So it was just a sea of of everything about it was just completely different. Of course, I, I couldn't read the signs. I couldn't read the letters. I didn't know the language had absolutely no idea even how to read where I was going to try to find out what was happening. It was I was in a completely different culture and total fish out of water. And so um was there for a couple of days by myself and then from there I went on to uh I went on to to Taiwan. When I landed in Taiwan, I actually had a USA guide which was somebody that worked for my company back in um back in Texas. So I had somebody to walk me around. So, so they were able to help me with the do's and don'ts of what the things were associated with the culture so that I could, I could survive and I, I could work, work within it. And I'll never forget that I went to a, um, I went to a dinner that, that one of the very first nights I went to a dinner and, and I was the guest of honor at the dinner. And so we were eating family style and there was probably 10 people around the table. And so they were serving, serving different plates, family style, and they'd come by and put something on your, on your plate and stuff. So they, so they brought this plate by and it'd already been around. Most people had already, already gotten some and they, and, and, and it, it looked like a, I don't know, I don't know if it was a vegetable or a meat, but it just, it just smelled so bad. It was, it was, it was like the worst smelling food I've ever smelled in my entire life. And of course, the look on my face, I'm sure, was should have been more appropriate. And um, look at my face was like, I can't, I, I can't eat this. I, I can't eat. Don't even put it on my plate. So, so I was like, no, 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 no. I, I don't want that. And I leaned over to someone. I said, you know what? It's the smell. It's just I don't, I don't know what that is, but it's just the smells awful. Well, so, so 
not only did they take that plate off the table, they went back to every single person's plate and they took that food off of their plate. Because I guess I was the guest of honor and I must have looked repulsed or whatever it was. And so when I said I didn't want it, they took it away from everybody else, which was really embarrassing and something culturally I didn't know. And if I had known, I would have just probably survived my way through it, although I don't think I could have eaten it because it was really, really that that bad smell. So other thing about it was is that when we got towards the end of the evening, I had to go to the bathroom. And so um, it was my very first experience when I walked into the bathroom that there was no toilet there. And there was just kind of a hole in the middle of the floor. And, you know, you're, I'll, I'll let your mind go where your mind had to go. But it was, it was, it was almost impossible. So needless to say, it was a fairly massive um, cultural shock to me when I did that. And of course, you know, when I came home, I was just fascinated with the Chinese culture and, you know, spent a lot more time reading and bought books and just, just really became aware and uh, of what it was and just, just opened my eyes to so many different things. And so reason I'm telling you this long, laborious story about me in, uh, in China is, is that I wanted to talk to you today about, about cultural awareness and sensitivity. Seems like a really good subject and something that we could uh, delve into a little bit. So, so let's talk about cultural awareness and sensitivity and um, how we might be able to address it and uh, look at it in our work and what we can do with it. So with everything, it probably has to start with a little bit of um, a little bit of definition. So obviously, you know, aware and sensitive are pretty natural, right? I mean, great example of aware and sensitive right now is just this whole COVID thing, right? I mean, we're aware and sensitive that everybody has a little bit different take on it, right? So you know, not going to delve into masks versus no masks, but, you know, people that are elderly, people that are sickly, uh, people that have asthma, lung conditions, uh, whether you're in a place that has a high COVID or a low COVID, uh, whether you've got people that, you know, you know, close that are experiencing it, people have lost their businesses. I mean, so there's just a lot of opportunity to be aware and sensitive as to what's going on in that. So, so the dictionary definition of awareness means that you're concerned and well-informed about a particular situation or development. Sensitive got this straight out of the internet, not a definition, but I thought it was a really great description of sensitive. The truth is being sensitive means you notice things. You care about people's feelings and you think deeply before you speak. It means taking the time to absorb and process rather than rushing to a decision. And for a lot of people being sensitive, isn't just a passing mood. It's a key part of who they are and what they are. I love that definition of sensitive. And then finally, culture. Culture refers to a set of shared attitudes, values, beliefs, goals, practices, languages, and so on that characterizes institutions, organizations, or racial, ethnic, religious, or social groups. Simply put, we're all different. Different colors, countries, genders, faiths, hobbies, ages, and every other different category that you can think of on this planet. While each of us are unique, we grow up living in a place with people that help to create the culture that is part of us. And we need to understand that and see where our culture is and where we start from. So for instance, I grew up in Connecticut, southeastern Connecticut to be exact, kind of on the border of Rhode Island, close to the coast a small farm town, one stoplight growing up. If you were to ask me what my nationality was growing up, I would have told you that I was 50% off the Mayflower, which is English and Irish, and 50% 
Lebanese. My dad is 100 uh, percent Lebanese. Right. So that's what I would say if we were in the United States. But if you were to take me out of the United States and you were to take me to Europe and ask me what my nationality was, I wouldn't tell you that I was 50 percent English and Irish and 50 percent Lebanese. I would tell you I was an American. So everybody starts from the place where they grew up, where their culture and their location and their geography helped to mold them. So we're all different, different colors, countries, genders, faiths, hobbies, ages, and every other different category you can think of on this planet. Each of us are unique, but we grow up living in places with people that help to create the culture that is a part of us. We have cultures at work. Maybe it's written down. You think mission statements and values. If it's a great company, then you're following those statements and values. You can see them in the actions that leadership takes. You've heard the expression, we walk the walk. Maybe your organization's culture is casual or competitive or celebratory or open communications, great at promoting from within or active in the community, to name a few. Great example is that Southwest Airlines culture is one of fun. We have popular culture. We see this in music, movies, entertainment. You might be a person that is very active in popular culture or someone that felt a little closer to the culture back in the 90s or early 2000s, or who knows, maybe you're the kind of person that would have been a great fit in the 60s or 70s. There are foreign cultures, sports cultures, and on and on. There's also a culture of diversity, the culture that celebrates and invests in the many different cultures that are around us. So that's really what I wanted to talk about with you today is the cultural awareness and sensitivity in the workplace, and maybe for you, a little bit at home. There's things that we can do to help make us more aware and sensitive to other cultures. So it starts with very simply understanding your own culture. What is your culture? I kind of shared with you that I grew up in Connecticut and uh, southeastern Connecticut in a small town. Do you know what yours is? Do you, have you ever thought about it? It's the way that you think and believe about most things. Over the course of our life, we'll grow and we'll change and we'll share with others, but it starts with where and when you were born, where you lived, your childhood friends, your parents, your relatives, your teachers, your pastors, and all the events played a role in your culture. Most importantly, your culture becomes the prism through which you see the world and most importantly, others. Our worldview is a little like a stained glass window or filter that we see things through. And sometimes that filter can be a little bit cracked and we don't even know that it's cracked. And so in many instances, that's really good. But in other instances, it can be bad as well. So, so what we think is clear may not be clear. So let me give you a, let me give you a couple of examples, right? So, so for many of us, when we grew up as kids, we were taught to eat everything on our plates, leave nothing, well, this is terrible advice, right? There's a lot of people that struggle with health and, and their weight because of the fact that they were taught growing up that they had to eat every single thing on their plates. And we know that's not healthy. That's not something that you're supposed to do. Here's another one. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Totally, totally untrue. If you break your arm at 12, you may have never considered it again, but if your Uncle Joe tells you that you have fat ankles or that you're not very smart, you may still be going to counseling at this day thinking about the things that Uncle Joe said to you way back in the day, 
right? So our filters are the way that we see things and they may or they may not be healthy. It may not be all of them, but we need to look at them carefully. What are your filters? How do you see the world? And what are your filters when you look at people that are different from you or other cultures or people that have different skin color than you two? How do you see those things? You really need to spend some time thinking about your prism and your glass. And remember, we all have cracked glass. So I want you to just take a moment and think about the prism through which you see things and how you look at other people and other cultures. Write them down and spend some time understanding what yours are. Because you don't have the opportunity to really see things clearly unless you can see yourself and know exactly where you are. So the first thing you have to do is you have to understand your own culture. If we're going to embrace diversity and awareness of of different cultures, we certainly have to understand where ours is first. Number two, we have to practice respect. Most people say that respect is earned, and in many instances, respect is earned. But for the most part, respect isn't earned, it's given. Respect is a lot like authority. Authority is actually given. When a parent, when a child does what a parent says for it to do, most people think, well, the reason that occurs is because the parent is the authority of the child. And while the parent may be the authority of the child, even in that instance, the child is the one that's giving the authority to the parent. There are zillions of examples of kids that rebel against their parents. They rebel against that authority. And the reason they rebel against the authority is because they actually choose to rebel against the authority, right? It's also the same thing with every single one of the situations where we have issues with people doing stuff against the law or not doing what they're supposed to do, what they're doing is, is they're, they're choosing not to accept the authority that's over them. And as a result, it's, it's a choice that they're making. And so respect is just like authority because it is a choice. And we often make the mistake to give others respect only after we understand it better and agree with it. And this is another confusing thing that we do because that's really approval, Right. We can and should give respect to others' culture right from the start. We don't need to even understand it to respect the culture of others. You don't have to approve or agree with it or agree with someone to practice respect. You just do it. Here's an example. When you ride in someone's car and they tell you that you can't eat or drink in the car, you do it out of respect for them and their car. You may not do that with your own cars, but if it's their car, you do it out of respect because it's their request. Do you sometimes confuse respect with approval? I can respect somebody's culture, respect somebody's request, may not approve of it, may not agree with it, but I respect it because that's what they want, that's what they feel, that's what they are, that's what their person is. So... We also have to practice respect when we're looking at cultural awareness and sensitivity. Third, we have to learn a really important rule, and that rule is is that measuring just doesn't work with culture and diversity. And let me tell you a little bit about measuring, and let me take it back to call centers since that's what this podcast is about. There's a saying in call centers that if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And then the natural outtake of that is don't measure anything you don't intend on changing. 
Lots of companies measure many, many things on their QM forms, but don't ever actually change them. They measure them, they chart them, they do all sorts of different things. They just never institute any sort of change. Our recommendation with those type of things is that what we really need to do is just monitor those items because there's no reason to measure something if you have no intention of changing it. So taking a look at, there's an example of measurement. Here's another example of measurement. If I have an attendance percentage that is 98% and yours is 86%, my attendance is better than yours. If your CSAT score is a 4.96 and my CSAT score is a 4.88, your CSAT score is better. Obvious, right? If my customer writes that Michael's caring and your customer writes that you're caring, they're the same. Neither is better. My caring is not better than yours. This is the single biggest attack on culture that we need to recognize. If I think the color of my skin is better than yours, I'm using the color of my skin as being better, kind of like my caring is better than your caring. It isn't. People get really confused on this, but it's really, really simple, and it's this whole concept of measuring culture. It's easy when it's my individual performance, because my individual individual performance may be better, at least at this particular point in time. My car may be faster, might be bigger, and might have better audio sound in it. That's okay. We can have another discussion on whether I should be bragging about whether my car is better than yours or not, but leave that for a different time. The color of my skin or your skin is not something that is better or can even be measured. And when you do it, it's like measuring my excellent against your excellent. One person is not better than the other. One person can be a better singer. and Actually, probably most people compared to me are better singers, but not a better person. Two more things. My father is colorblind. He can't see red and green lights, which makes really interesting closed selections and at stoplights. Some people say they're colorblind and don't see the skin color of others. I think they're actually trying to say something nice, but it's something nice that's based on a lie. We see color. We see differences. To not see them is to deny they exist or any of the challenges or struggles that people have. To see skin color and to embrace them, maybe even while you struggle with your prism, is a good thing and honest. See the color of people's skin and love the people. And then finally, um, there may be some of you that may be thinking, hey, you know what, Michael, you, you just don't understand. You know, I'm, I, I, I do have some of these thoughts, but I'm, I'm sincere. I know a lot of people that they're really sincere. And let me just tell you a little bit about sincerity. Um, just because you're sincere doesn't necessarily mean you're not wrong. I love the story of the guy that goes to a movie theater and he goes up to the theater and says, I'd like to go to this movie. And the person behind the counter says, well, that'll be $10. And the guy says, oh, no, 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 you, you don't understand it. The, the ticket's only $5. No, sir, the, the ticket for this movie is is $10. Well, but you don't understand, Stare. I, I sincerely believe that this ticket is $5. I mean, I, I, I'm really sincere. I mean, I really, really believe that this ticket is $5. You get the point. Just because you're sincere doesn't necessarily mean that you're right. So I want you to take a very good look at how you see better. 
Are you measuring things that can't be measured? And it's impossible to see other cultures until you come to grips with the concept of this better. And then once you embrace the better and understand the concept that there are some things that are just not measurable, they're not better, it will completely change your perspective on how you see other cultures. And then finally, you have to be interested. Cultural awareness and sensitivity can be achieved in the very same way that you're a great friend or leader. If you want to be a great friend, you don't need to be interesting or fascinating. The best way to be a great friend is to just be interested. If you're interested in others, what they think, what they do, you can be a great friend. It's the same thing for parents, teachers, leaders, and every other relationship. Are you interested in learning more about other cultures and other people? Take the time to learn more about others. When you're interested, you get to know people and their dreams. It's fascinating, exciting, and a great way to make new friends. And many times, the reason that we may have issues with other cultures is just because we don't know them. We, you know, there's an old saying that I'm not afraid of the dark, but I'm afraid of what lurks in the dark. And by spending a little bit of time getting to understand and being interested, you'll get enlightened and learn more about people. And when you learn more about people, um, it's the very best thing that you can do. And I just want to make one more comment about being interested It's dangerous with cultural race, gender. Many people want to talk about it, but they're really afraid to. They're really afraid to be interested. In today's times, it's really easy to find people saying and doing the wrong thing. Twitter, for example, is loaded with all sorts of trolls and jerks, obnoxious and abrasive people with all sorts of hate. There are genuine people today who are trying to navigate the cultural awareness and sensitivity. And today's world has opened up a new opportunity to change hearts and minds. When people exercise their interest in being interested, these well-meaning people may just say the wrong thing. If you find yourself on the receiving end of a misplaced sentence or an ill-timed word or action from someone you would not expect it from, maybe somebody that you like and respect, please consider giving them some mercy, not getting what you deserve, and some grace, getting what you don't deserve, as they grow and learn about the cultural awareness and sensitivity. Give some people some grace and mercy that are genuinely interested in trying to expand their understanding of culture and trying to become more aware and sensitive to the different cultures that are out there. Yogi Berra was a catcher for the New York Yankees back in the 50s. He got famous for making a lot of dumb sayings. It was like he'd said, it's like deja vu all over again. You can observe a lot just by watching. A nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. And one of them was, it's not over till it's over. When it comes to becoming culturally aware and more sensitive to others, it's not over till it's over. You can become more aware starting today. It's something that you practice daily. It takes practice. And in many cases, it takes change. And in most instances, it takes some heart change, which is sometimes the hardest type of change. Take a moment, understand your culture, where you came from, the prison that you see things through. Practice respect. It's not about approval, it's respect. Quit using better to measure things that can't be measured. And finally, be interested in other cultures and other people. It's the fastest way to make new friends and celebrate different cultures. It was great talking to you this week. Loved it. I was a little bit long this week. Promise I'll be a little bit shorter next week. 
so much fun talking to you about this issue. Um, I know that you can apply it to your work and maybe apply it to your home. Uh, Be a great leader. I know you're fully capable of being one. I look forward to talking to you next week. Bye-bye now. You are being forwarded to the contact center coach.